This is Crossroads with Clayton King. Okay, friend, I'm going to try to talk fast here because I am going to attempt to cover one of the wildest chapters in the whole Bible in about 25 minutes. Acts chapter 2 is literally the definition of wild. The Holy Spirit does some amazing things in Acts chapter 2, and the church that exists now in the world looks like everything that Jesus began to do through the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. We see people getting saved. We see people being filled with boldness and the Holy Spirit. We see people sharing their wealth and their meals, their table, their possessions with each other. We are who we are today because of what Jesus did in Acts chapter two through the Holy Spirit. Let's learn something right now. Now let's look at the scripture because Acts chapter two was wild. I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So let's read these scriptures. First of all, first point, When we read Acts chapter two, we see who they were and who we are. First of all, we are surprised by the Spirit. When you know that you're sent by God, get ready to be surprised by the Holy Spirit. Let me show you how surprising the Holy Spirit can be. Acts chapter two, this is how chapter two begins. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly, A sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then, I love this, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, not the seminary trained ones only, not the professional ones only, not the staff members only, not the ones with the title pastor only. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, how is it that each one of us can hear them in our own native language? Now, I want you to watch as I'm gonna list off not just two or three, 15 different cultures that are all gathered in the room. Look at this, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, 15 different cultural backgrounds. Do you see how surprised everyone was? We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astonished and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine. The Holy Spirit was so wild, so unpredictable. This moment was so surprising that the people who were not experiencing it thought that they were drunk. And that is not what's happening here. You know what's happening? The Holy Spirit is showing up and blowing up their plans. The Holy Spirit likes to blow up your plans. You wanna make God laugh? Tell him what your plans are. You wanna get surprised by the Holy Spirit? Just start vocalizing 
the gospel. Let me ask you a question, church. When is the last time the Holy Spirit surprised you? When's the last time the Holy Spirit blew your mind? When is the last time you just took a risk? I mean, like you took a risk. When is the last time you just felt randomly like the Holy Spirit wanted you to go invite a perfect stranger to church on Sunday? When is the last time that you just ask a person this simply, this clearly, this bluntly, would you mind if I just tell you how I became a Christian and how Jesus has changed my life? Look, you can all do this. We can all be a part of this. If you haven't been surprised by the Holy Spirit in a little while, can I just suggest something I've learned in my own life because it's real easy for me to get in a rut. It's real easy for me. I mean, I do ministry for a living. This is my, not only my calling, this is my career. And it's easy for me to forget that everybody's not a Christian. Everyone doesn't go to my church. So I need to stay attentive to, and I need to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit prompting me to say things and prompting me to do things and prompting me to give an amount of money, prompting me to write a check, prompting me to put a 20 on the table at the end of a meal, prompting me to just say, excuse me, can I pray for you about something? The best stories I have in my life are all connected to some moment the Spirit of God was telling me to be bold or kind. Every great story I can tell about God moving in people's lives are always a direct result of me sensing the Spirit to tell me, go do something bold, Clayton. Go do something kind. Be kind to someone, be generous to someone, or you know what? Roll the dice and see what happens. Church, it's time for us to roll the dice again. Let's start being bold with our coworkers, bold at school, not brash, not offensive, not argumentative, but with the love of our Father, take some chances and see how wild the Holy Spirit will get in your life. Why did the Holy Spirit give them all the ability to understand each other's languages? He was reversing the curse of the Tower of Babel. He did this for the sake of the gospel being proclaimed all throughout the world. He did this as a sign to prove to them that this was miraculous, not man-made. And revival doesn't happen when great men preach great sermons or great women get up here and do a great job. Revival begins, salvation happens when common everyday ordinary Christians, which is all of us, Say, you know what, Jesus, I'm filled with your spirit. Why wouldn't I get wild? Why wouldn't I be bold? Why wouldn't I act my, with kindness in my life? That's what it looks like to be sent. We're surprised by the spirit. Number two, here's what it looks like to live sent. We are saved by the gospel. It means we remember when the spirit saved us through the gospel and we wanna share the gospel with, with other people too. We are saved by the gospel. So watch what happens in Acts chapter two. The last time we saw Peter in a prominent place in the scripture, he was a scaredy cat. He was a coward. He had denied Jesus. He had gone back to Galilee. He was fishing. Jesus then reinstates him, cooks him breakfast. And Peter goes from being a scared man to a bold proclaimer of the gospel. The difference was the Holy Spirit. It tells us in Acts chapter two, verse 14, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and proclaimed to them. Now, these are the same people he was afraid would kill him just a few chapters earlier. Now he's not afraid anymore. 
Now he's not scared anymore. Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. Do you see the boldness in his heart now? Now, remember what Brad said last week. We can't reach the world and hate the world at the same time. We have to actually love the world and care about their souls if we're gonna reach them with the gospel. Peter loved these people. Peter cared about these Jews in Jerusalem. Peter knew that he was addressing people who had literally just crucified his Lord and Savior. And he wanted them to meet Jesus because Peter knew the power of the gospel. He had received that power himself. Now look at verses 22 through 24. Peter says, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though Jesus was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you use lawless people to nail him up on a cross and kill him. But God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Peter is proclaiming the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Not only his death on the cross for our sins, but the power of the resurrection. Now look at verses 32 through 36. Peter continues, God has raised this Jesus. We're all witnesses of this. He is literally deferring to the apostles that are with him to say, you saw him resurrected, we saw him resurrected, we are eyewitnesses. Peter knew he was sent to these people and he was willing to testify. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. In other words, we're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself who says, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, look at verse 36. Let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And then verses 40 through 41. With many other words, Peter testified and strongly urged them saying, watch this church, be saved. We have doubled down here at this church on salvation through Jesus Christ alone. It is the most kind, bold thing we can say to anyone that if you wanna be saved, you need Jesus. If you want a better marriage, you need Jesus. If you wanna get along better with your coworkers, you need Jesus. If you need help from your anxiety and your depression, you, you need Jesus. If your finances are in a wreck, you, you need Jesus. And we're all here on the same level, busted, broken, being put back together under spiritual renovation from Jesus. This is what Peter believed, that we are saved by the gospel and only only by the gospel. He literally told them to be saved from this corrupt generation. And look at verse 41. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day about, woo, 3,000 people were added to them in one day. 
Now, geographically, if you ever get to go to Israel, the upper room is on the upper side of the city of Jerusalem above the old city of David. Here's what we believe happened. Revival began when the Spirit of God descended in the upper room and they're all hearing each other speak in their own languages and you've got a rushing mighty wind and tongues of fire. By the way, church, I don't believe those are symbolic phrases. I believe there was actually wind blowing through the room. I believe there was actually fire, hot fire, flames of fire that looked like tongues of fire resting on top of people's heads. Why do I believe that? Because I believe the Bible. And why do I believe the Bible? Because I've seen it work out in lives of people that I know, including my own. And what happened? That revival spills out into the streets. The next thing you know, Peter is preaching probably on the Southern steps, entering up into the temple. And why do we think that? Because they baptized 3,000 converts in one day. There was only one place in Jerusalem you'd have time to baptize 3,000 people in one day at the base of the Southern steps because when the Jews would walk up the steps to go into the temple, they would bathe and they would wash themselves to be clean in mikvahs. The mikvahs were their old school baptistries. Now, some of y'all grew up Baptist like this old boy and you think of a baptistry, it's up there on the stage behind the choir, right? Some of y'all got baptized in a place like that. So did I. They got baptized by the Holy Spirit in the upper room and 3,000 new believers got baptized in water that day to profess they had been saved by the gospel. I need to take a breath right here. Is that what you want in your life? Is that what you want for our church? Because it's who we are. It's who you are. And it is so much fun. Y'all, I could say a lot about this, but I'm telling you, it is fun to watch the Holy Spirit move in the lives of people that you're praying for, in the lives of people you're trying to be kind to. But that revival didn't stop there. This is where we move to next in Acts chapter two. We are strengthened by each other. We're strengthened by each other. So, a lot of times you'll kind of hear people say, well, I, I believe in evangelism and other people are a little more wired to believe in discipleship. And, and some people ask me, Clayton, do you, do you love evangelism or discipleship more? And I'm like, yes, I love evangelism and I love discipleship because you can't disciple people if they're never evangelized. Now, cards on the table, y'all, I'm an evangelist. No surprise to anybody, right? 36 years I've been doing this and I love every minute of it, even the hard times, even the very difficult times, and there are many of them. But what we've prayed for today in this message specifically is that you would receive an impartation, a, 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 almost like, a, like an excitement about, a, about personal evangelism again. Now, impartation, that's not weird, that's not spooky. Impartation just means that the Spirit of God will inspire you to get more involved in this. Look, Billy Graham has been dead for years. I love him. You can still watch him on YouTube and TV, but there are only a handful of real evangelists like me that travel and evangelize. And I also get to be a pastor too. I'm double dipping. God has been favorable to this boy. And I'm so thankful for it, okay? But you don't have to be called to be an itinerant evangelist to have the gift of evangelism. All you have to do is ask for it. The Bible says, and Paul said it, you should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So in just a few minutes, as I finish up this message, I'm wondering if some of you would just in about 10 or 15 minutes, just be willing to say, God, I want you to give me, I want the gift of evangelism. I want the boldness to be able to share the love of Jesus with people that I know. And it's not spooky, it's not weird. You're just asking the Holy Spirit, give me what you already do. You know, the Holy Spirit's the greatest evangelist ever. 
Because the Holy Spirit's job is to draw people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to point people to Jesus. And if the Spirit lives in us, then we can all have the gift of evangelism because we're sent. We'll be back in a minute to finish up this message. But before we do, I wanted to tell you, roots are important and our ministry has put our roots down at Anderson University in South Carolina. It's the largest Christian and private institution in the entire state. We moved here in 2014 because we believed in the mission of this Christian institution. It's a really special place. There's 38 concentrations, 46 minors, 59 major degree programs, and they also have 18 master's and doctoral degrees. So whether you're a high school student trying to discern where to go after you graduate, or an adult that wants to get some more education online, check out andersonuniversity.edu and you could be really, really encouraged and prepared for life, ministry, career at this great Christian institution. That's andersonuniversity.edu. We're strengthened by each other. Look at verses 44 through 47. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as they had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And look at this. This is probably my favorite part of the whole passage. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So evangelism happens in the big event and evangelism happens in the small personal moments. Evangelism happens on Sunday morning at your campus and evangelism happens on Monday morning in your classroom. In this kingdom that we're a part of, kitchen tables are just as powerful as pulpits. In this kingdom we're a part of, that fire pit in your backyard is just as effective as that sermon preached on a Sunday morning. This is the kingdom that we're a part of. So, so boys, fall's coming, fire up that fire pit and invite some guys to come over to your house on Sunday night and talk about the message on Sunday or just invite them over to talk about football and look for an opportunity in those small personal settings to share your story or invite them to church. You, you know, I think about this, while Peter's preaching on the steps of the, of the temple and 3,000 people are getting saved, there's a nameless grandma somewhere in Jerusalem in a house and she's cooking bread and she's preparing a meal because she knows as soon as all those people are done getting baptized, they're gonna be hungry and they're gonna come and sit at her table and her crowns in heaven will be put at the feet of Jesus, just like the crown that Peter will lay there. We can all do this. We can all be an evangelist every single one of us, because kindness is revolutionary. Kindness catches people's attention. Kindness is a way that we display the gospel to the people that we know and love. And finally, we see in Acts chapter two, to live sent means that your devotion makes a difference. Your devotion makes a difference. It really does. It says in verses 42 and 43, it uses this word devotion. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four simple spiritual disciplines, four simple things that they were devoted to. And verse 43 says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Do you see how much they loved each other? Do you see how much they 
They cared for each other when there was a need. Being a part of God's church is a beautiful and surprising act of submission that translates into living a life, receiving God's grace. And he pours it out through the hands and the feet and the words of other people. Your devotion makes a difference. When you get up in the morning and read your Bible, that makes a difference, not just in your life, but in the life of someone else. When you pause to pray over a meal in a restaurant, you're not doing that to perform or be seen, but you never know who might be encouraged by that prayer that you pray, that little devotion of just thanking God with humility for a meal before you eat it. A kind word. You know, you, you and I have the ability to potentially be the only kind, encouraging word that someone might hear throughout the course of their day or even throughout the course of their week to just pause and, and say to someone, it's good to see you today. I prayed for you. Your devotion makes a difference. So let me tell a story, okay? You know, I like stories. My dad owned an electric motor shop. So when I got old enough to drive, 15 years old, I had my beginner's permit. I couldn't even drive after dark. 15 years old, my dad said, now I'm ready to really work you. You're gonna drive the shop truck and you're gonna go pick up motors. Now this is in the upstate of South Carolina. My dad would call me, I'd be working at a shop. He'd say, son, come here. I'd walk into his office. He'd say, get the shop truck, go to the Beatty plant, pick up 16 motors. Go to the Gerber plant in Pelzer. They got a 50 horsepower over there. My dad would send me, he would give me the keys to the truck and my dad would send me. Now what you gotta know about these old mills and these old factories is that not everybody who worked there was uplifting and encouraging like your local Christian radio station. They were bristly, more like porcupines, less like bunny rabbits. I'm talking Vietnam vets, Korean War vets. Some of these guys were saved, but I'm talking just barely saved, if you know what I mean. And these guys were rough and they loved having authority. I'm 15. And I'd get the hand trucks, I'd leave my dad's truck and I'm wheeling hand trucks through the baby plant or the Furman plant or the Gerber plant. I'm up at Millican and Spartanburg, I'm wheeling hand trucks and I gotta go get motors because my dad has sent me on a mission. And these guys would stop me. Hey boy, who are you? Where's your name tag? Who are you looking for? You ain't supposed to be back here. Can I tell you what I learned almost immediately? When those men would stop me and say, who are you? What are you doing here? Where's your name tag? Where are you going? I would say, my father sent me. Who's your daddy? Joe King, the owner of electric service. Oh, you're his son? Yes, I am. And my father sent me. And just like that, they changed just like that, they would walk me to where I needed to go. Just like that, they were receptive. Not because of who I was, but because of who sent me. I was there in my Father's name and I was there in my Father's authority. Church, you have your Father's name. You have your Father's authority. You have the message of His Son, Jesus Christ. And if that's not enough, every believer within the sound of my voice is filled with the Spirit of the living God who equips you with both boldness and kindness. What is stopping us from living sin? I hope if you have ever believed this untrue dichotomy, 
that you either have to be nice or you have to be bold. You can't be both. That now you see you can do both. You can actually be bold with what you believe about Jesus and you can be kind in the way that you share it. As a matter of fact, the most unkind thing for a Christian is to know that Jesus is the answer and not share it with anyone. So from Acts chapter two, let's invite the Holy Spirit to surprise us. Let's look for opportunity to speak up. And then with love in our hearts, let's just open our mouths and make sure that our lives back up what we say. We'll watch God surprise us and do amazing things. You can do it. Let's go for it. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.